Audio podcast on Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, the message is entitled Laments the Blues of the Bible. We're looking at two difficult passages, one from Job 23 and one from Psalm 22, that are filled with raw emotion about disappointments, trying to find out where God is. And we're going to find that contrary to just being something negative, this has a positive place in our own spiritual journeys as well. Hey, I want to thank everybody who showed up for Fall for Art on Saturday night. We had five local artists, some great music and food, and a really good time. So uh, if you missed it, try to catch it next time. For now, we'll head to the talk in North Shore Vineyard, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, or last week, um, that for our weekend messages, we have dis- well, I have decided to use something called the Revised Common Lectionary. It's a scary set of words to put together, but basically it is just a collection of Bible verses that follow through that, the church calendar for liturgies and stuff like that. Uh, there's usually about five passages a week. It's an ecumenical work, so there's churches from all different kinds of streams and denominations that use it on the weekends, and that's kind of one of the reasons that I wanted to do it, to kind of just tie us in with, with, with some of the other churches, as well as the church calendar. It follows the church calendar, and I thought since we're coming up on Advent, um, if, when you're a preacher, man, Advent's trying to come up with some something new every year is, is a little bit hard. So now I've got the text already picked out for me, so that's that's part of the, the helpful thing about this. But the other thing that I like about the, the lectionary is that it forces me to deal with passages that I would normally not deal with, uh, or maybe not even read. And today's passages are no exception. We're going to read some very depressing passages. I would never um, wish these passages on anybody as a passage to teach on. In fact, I can't really even teach on these passages. They're not, it, it's not really something you can draw some kind of like life verse from, unless you're just morbid. So, we're going to get into the passages today. We started last week. We were looking at, at the first two chapters of Job. Now we're at Job 23. Job is a guy who's had a very rough go of things. He's lost his family. He's lost his wealth. Uh, he's got sores that he's having to scrape with a pot shirt. Does anybody know what that was? I, I mentioned that last year. He was, last week he was scraping himself with a pot shirt. We need to look that up at least. I think it's just like broke, broken pieces of pottery let's vote on that okay <laughs> what's that what's that game where where you have to guess the words the definitions balderdash we'll just if you get that on balderdash there you go so here is job 23 job says then job answered today also my complaint is bitter 
His hand is heavy despite my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his dwelling. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would learn what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, but he would give heed to me. There, an upright person could reason with him, and I should be acquitted forever by my judge. If I go backwards, he is not there. If I go forward, he is not there. If I go backwards, I cannot perceive him. On the left, he hides, and I cannot behold him. I turn to the right, but I cannot see him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. If only I could vanish in darkness, and thick darkness would cover my face. Anybody need a life verse? some weeks you have steak and potatoes some weeks it's ramen noodles and spam chunks and you got to make something out of it (laughs) but it doesn't stop there psalm 22 (laughs) my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel, and and you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. These are difficult passages to read difficult passages to deal with because they give voice to such raw emotions. I don't know if, if, if some of you have had this experience before, but when I first became a Christian as an adult, I had had a lot of issues with negative feelings in the past, like anger and fear and jealousy, you know, the kind of stuff that we usually are ashamed to let other people see. And when I became a Christian, uh, I felt like all these negative emotions had no place in my life. And it wasn't that I never felt anger anymore or jealousy or fear or grief or sadness. It's just that I felt like I couldn't voice those things because to voice them was to give them power over my life. Now, I was a part, I don't know if we have anybody in here who's been a part of the word of faith tradition before, but I was, in my early years, uh, the, the kind of churches that I was in was was kind of word of faith. And word of faith, if you haven't experienced it, it's it's a very, it's kind of tied in with the prosperity gospel. But basically, the premise of word of faith is that if you want good things, you say good things. You confess good things. There's also a little thing out there called the secret. If you've ever watched the secret, it's very close to word of faith. Uh, But good things happen to people who confess good things. Bad things happen to people who confess bad things. So when bad things happen in your life or you feel bad things, you don't admit them. If any of y'all watched Monty Python the Holy Grail. There's this, this guy, the Black Knight, and he goes, you shall not pass. And so, is it King Arthur? Is that the, yeah. Uh, King what? Arthur, Arthur, King of the Britons. Um, Arthur comes up, and, and he whacks off the guy's arm, and he's like, 
So that's all you've got. <laughs> and so he lops off the guy's other arm. He's like, come back here. <laughs> Tis but a flesh wound. <laughs> what, are you going to bleed all over me? We're just having fun up here. And then he cuts off the guy's leg and then his other leg and, and then eventually the guy's head. But the whole point <laughs> is I, when I saw that, I'm like, I can identify with that because that was how I lived probably the first decade of being a Christian. It wasn't that I wasn't getting hurt or angry or sad. It's just I kept on going on like nothing was happening. Didn't hurt. So that's all you've got. But my life was a mess. And, and, you know, like that guy, people outside me could see that my life was a mess. But for me to admit those things was to actually give power to them. I was living in this superstitious religion that if I said something, uh, if I admitted that I had a problem, all of a sudden I've given the enemy a way to defeat me. I've let the enemy just come in and walk all over me. And so this, this posed a bit of a problem when I first got married because for those of you that know my wife, um, you know where she stands pretty quickly on anything. You know, there's not a lot of mystery to where Dina stands on issues in life, you know. Um, and when we first got married, Dina was just all the time she would vocalize these prayers to God in front of me. And she would use words that you can't use in church or in polite conversation, talking to God. And I remember just being terrified. <laughs> I'd be going, Dina, we want him on our side. <laughs> I know things are bad, but we don't want him against us. <laughs> but over the years, I've, I've really begun to see that, that what my wife was doing in those moments, really stands in a line of tradition that goes back thousands of years to the first Jewish people that God made his covenant with. You know, I said this last week, Job is the oldest book that, in the Bible. It's, it's pretty cool. Like, the oldest book that we have uh, is a book that is filled with, with sadness and complaining and raw, honest emotions towards God. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Greg, uh, Jana's husband, we, we took this little trip up to Clarksdale, Mississippi uh, to, to go hear a blues festival uh, a few, a couple months ago. And Greg was like, hey, before you leave on the trip, I got something for you. He's like, I got, a, I got some music. I'm like, cool. Mixtape, mix CD. So he brings over a mix CD and then a story that's like 40 pages long about a trip that he took up to Graceland where he passed through Clarkstone, Mississippi and went to the same blues festival. So it's like he had like a, a soundtrack that accompanied a story. I'm like, I got like the coolest friends. Like, who does this? And so we drove up to Clarkstone and, and Dina would read for about 20 minutes and then we'd play one of the songs from the album. And it was just like, by the time we got there, we were like ready for the blues. But there was this one segment on there, this guy, Willie King, who's an old blues guy, grew up a sharecropper in Mississippi, and um, w Willie is, is kind of, he's being interviewed or asked about the blues, and I, I love what he says, and I'm just paraphrasing, I was going to play it today, but uh, I, I just I'll just paraphrase what he said, he's, you know, a lot of people think that the blue, that blues music is just kind of about wallowing in sadness, but what Willie, what Willie King said is that Really, one participates in the blues. One sings the blues 
so the blues don't get on you. You, you participate in the blues so the blues don't take you down. There's something in naming our pain, identifying it, vocalizing it, that all of a sudden takes the burden off a bit. It doesn't solve the problem. I've, I've yet to encounter a blues song that the guy gets his wife back in the end and, <laughs> and the dog comes back from the dead, uh, you know. I've yet to encounter that. Blues songs, don't, they, don't, they don't wind everything up in a nice, tidy little bow. But there's something about singing the blues, participating in the blues, as Willie King says it, that lifts the blues off you. It keeps the blues from taking you down. I forgot to put a title on your uh, bulletin to get, but I, I would call this Laments, the Blues of the Bible. Because when I look at the book of Psalms, so much of the Psalms, I, it, it's, it's the blues songs of scriptures. There's not resolve all the time. Now, a lot of the Psalms resolve, but the stuff that we're looking at today, there's not a whole lot of resolve. We sing the blues. We pray the Psalms so the blues don't get on us. I think it's kind of like what we talked about a few weeks ago in the book of James. James says we confess our sins one to another and pray for each other so that we'll be healed. There's something in confessing your sin to somebody else. Have you ever confessed something that was very hard to confess to somebody and you finally confessed it? How did that feel? You feel, you feel a weight lift off to you. It's like, ah. I think that's the same way with blues music, the same way with the, these, these very raw, honest, unresolved emotions that we find in Scripture. They have a way of lifting things off of us when we participate in them. See, the Psalms, these laments, these blues songs of the Bible, they give us permission, don't they? See, it really, it really for me, it wasn't until probably the late 90s after I'd been a Christian for, probably early 2000s, I'd been a Christian for several years. I'd been in ministry but I'd never expressed negativity to God in any way because I felt superstitious about it. But after going through a horrible experience with a church that I was on staff on, with, after having two miscarriages back-to-back -back in a year, uh, not to mention a miserable marriage, <laughs> and trying to go to school full-time on top of all that, finally got to the point where I started being honest with God, and I realized that contrary to what I had been taught in my early years of Christianity, this is all over the Bible. You have permission to grieve. You have permission to be sad. You have permission to be angry. You have permission sometimes, you know, to do like my wife. Yell at the skies <laughs> to say this isn't right. We think... Oftentimes, that doubt is the opposite of faith, when in fact, doubt is the evidence of faith many times. See, the person who doesn't care about God is not going to argue with God when things don't go the right way, right? You know, 
the atheist who's, who's just rebelling against any idea that God exists, when things go bad, he's not going to argue with some God that he doesn't believe in. But those of us who are, who are trying to follow Jesus, who've invested our life in this thing, who believe in Jesus and his life and his promises, we don't see that happening and we, we vent our frustration. We, we let Jesus know our sadness, our anger, our doubts. It's not from a place of unbelief. It's actually from a place of deep belief. So I imagine in here today, there's probably a few of you that when you hear these passages today, it, maybe it's given you some permission right now that you didn't know you had to feel the things that you're feeling. And maybe you feel like, I don't know where God is right now. I'm sad. This is a mess. Things are not working out the way that I want. But I suspect there's an awful lot of you in here who you're paying the bills. Your job's going great. Kids are obeying you. The, you know. <laughs> Okay, you had me up to there. <laughs> but, but there's nothing really terrible going on in your life right now. You're just feeling good, you know? It's a wonderful day outside. You're going to watch the Saints game, enjoy life. What does a passage like this have to say to you? I love what Eugene Peterson said in a... He wrote a book uh, several years ago called... Uh, Answering God, the Psalms as tools for prayer. And, and Eugene Peterson talks about using the Psalms as, as, as a way of prayer in our life, in our daily life. But he says, when you do the Psalms, when you use the Psalms as prayer, you're inevitably going to bump into Psalms that don't connect with your personal life at all. And that's kind of offensive to us who've grown up in America to think that, you know, we, we think in terms of individualism, our personal relationship with God. It's all about me, God's promises for me and what God wants to say to me today. And Eugene Peter says when, says, when we come into passages kind of like the ones today, maybe you're feeling good today. Maybe you're like, why do I have to show up and listen to this depressing message today? Well, these words here, if they don't apply to you today, I guarantee you they, they apply to somebody in your life. I've got friends right now who are facing terminal illness. I've got a good friend of mine, a neighbor, who... Uh, I don't know how much longer he's going to make it unless a miracle happens. I've got friends who are facing unemployment. You know, uh, friends going through uh, separation and divorce. And that's just the people that I know. I can turn on the news and think of, you know, Palestinian kids who are living in a bombed out village. Syrian refugees. I mean... These words that may not apply to you can be a place of intercession for those who are hurting. Do you know some people in your life right now that may feel like God is <laughs> kind of like Job saying, like, man, when I look ahead, you're not there. When I turn around, you're not there. I don't know where you are. Why have you forsaken me? Do you have some people in your life that might be feeling that way? Use these psalms as a way of just sitting down and saying, God, I pray for these people right now that feel that way.
And the final thing that I want to say, and I put this little quote in your outline, our tendency in the midst of suffering is to turn on God, to get angry and bitter and shake our fists at the sky and say, God, you don't know what it's like. You don't understand. You have no idea what I'm going through. You don't have a clue how much this hurts. The cross is God's way of taking away all of our accusations, excuses, and arguments. The cross is God taking on flesh and blood and saying, me too. Me too. I can tell you there's nothing that has given me more comfort in, in my journey when I get into difficult times than this final concept. In fact, in the, after you know, all the stuff that I was saying, you know, the first time that I began to actually get honest with God about the negative things in my life, my disappointments, it was this idea that rescued me. Do you feel like you've been betrayed by another human being? Jesus says, I know what that's like. Do you feel like God is far from you? Jesus says, I know what that's like. Psalm 22, Jesus quoted. (laughs) Jesus quoted that blues song when he was hanging on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is nothing that we can face as a human being that Jesus has not faced himself as a human being. See, this is the hope of Christianity. We don't serve a distant God who is detached and aloof from our suffering, but we serve the very God who steps in the midst of our suffering and pain and meets us there, becomes God with us. And and Hebrew says it's that God, that Jesus, who lives to intercede before the Father for us day and night. Jesus is praying for you. You may say, my prayer life stinks. It's okay. Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding for you. And he has compassion because he knows what you are facing. Not as God out there, but as a human himself. I'm not quite sure how we end a message like this. Do we all just cry together? (laughs) <laughs> Do I get the band back up here for some blues songs? <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to end it. But I want to leave you with two questions. And, and I, I, just, I just ask that you would consider these questions this week. If you ever do anything beyond, you know, this Sunday. If you can remember, you know, beyond... <laughs> Take this with you and and reflect on these questions. The first one is, what difficulties have you experienced in being honest with God about your disappointments, frustration, and anger? Maybe you've never told God what you've thought as far as, like, uh, you you know, the, the darker feelings. Well, at least write down what those things are that you've never told God, you know? Write down where those struggles have been for you. Think about that. And secondly, concerning intercession, are there people in your life 
in which you could use the words from today's text as a place of intercession? How can you use these words as a place to just be broken and poured out for some people in your life that may feel like they are just off God's radar? How can this motivate us to love others the way that Jesus has entered into our suffering, the way that Jesus has prayed for us? Why don't you stand? Lord, this morning I want to lift up every person in here who can identify with those words, God, who feels separated from you, feels like you're not there, you're not answering, you're not listening. God, I pray right now for them, Lord. God, I pray for those who who have shoved down their feelings of anger and disappointment and complaints, all those things, they've shoved them down because of... uh, whatever religious baggage they might be carrying, Lord, and they didn't feel like they could express those things to you. God, I pray that they would understand right now that you're not freaked out by our honesty, Lord, because you already know what we're thinking anyway before we say it, Lord. God, I would pray that for those who have a hard time expressing those emotions, God, that you would give them the grace to do that today, Lord. And God, we want to close by lifting up our friends, our family members, those who may feel cut off by you right now, Lord. Those who are in a desperate place, God, we remember them today. We bring them before you today, God. We ask for your healing touch, your touch of deliverance upon their lives today, God. We ask that you would show up You would reveal yourself in their hopelessness, God. And Lord, I pray even as we go into the the rest of this week, God, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken us to these questions, Lord. You would help us to be mindful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to invite our prayer team people up here, and if you want to, if you want to stick around and get some prayer, just feel free to. Otherwise, you're dismissed. We'll see you next weekend.